It's funny. People always be like, don't forget about the little people. It's like, why do they refer themselves as little anyway, you know? Why don't you just get big with me? They can see it in my eyes. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of John's Entitled Podcast, a partner of MoshPitNation.com. This week's guest is the returning Chad Nicefield, vocalist of the band Wilson. Chad and I have known each other now almost going on 10 years, which kind of is weird to say. Uh, you know, you just don't realize how long you've known somebody or how long they've been a part of your lives uh, until you kind of sit down and think about it. And it was really great getting to catch up with a friend that I haven't, I don't typically get to talk to very, very often at length anymore just because, you know, life happens. The dudes are always on tour. They're always busy. They're always hustling. They're always doing shit. And a lot of times when I get to see them here in Michigan at shows, you know, that's basically when the family comes out and so forth. And, you know, you're just kind of trying to vie for what limited time that they have to, to give to everybody. And it gets hard. I think that's one of the hardest parts about having friends who tour is just knowing that you don't get to see them very often. And when you do, it's it's in very small amounts of time. Um, but I love the friends that I have that do tour. I love seeing them, and I love hanging out with them. And uh, Chad is no exception. And we get into some really funny and interesting shit right off the top. Um, I think it just kind of goes to show how, you know, two friends who have known each other for a while, how just, you know, you may not see those people, but you just fall right back into your old shit and you're just able to go with it. And, you know, but the flip side of that is uh, we are able to get serious too and talk about a lot of serious shit. And there's been a lot of serious things that have been going on in the Wilson camp. Uh, They have a new record uh, that they have finished that they are getting ready to release soon. Uh, We'll get into that. There's a new song coming out uh, the Friday as of when you're hearing this. You'll hear about that, and you'll hear about the just the transformation of all the the sound of Wilson and and everything that Chad's gone through to lead him to where he is now on the other side of things. And it was a really awesome journey to kind of be able to go on with Chad and and to talk about these things. And I hope all of the Wilson fans uh, enjoy it. It may not be the interview you're expecting. Um, but I mean, it's the interview that felt right between the two of us. And, uh, I (laughs) really love where we ended things on. Uh, so without further ado, let's get into my chat with Chad Nicefield of Wilson. So I had the pleasure of talking with a longtime friend, Mr. Chad Nicefield, vocalist of Wilson. How are you doing? I have the pleasure of talking to you, John, and I'm doing great. I'm doing excellent right now. You know, they say flattery, flattery will get you everywhere. And right now, it is taking you right to my heart. Oh, I thought you were going to say your pants. I mean, I'm not wearing any, so... Ooh, <laughs> I like the way you podcast. Uh, actually, I take it back. I'm wearing my uh, boner pants, my sweatpants. Sick, dude. I bet you that outline is looking so groovy over there. I mean, my vagina lips look really fucking haggard (laughs) right now. 
<laughs> Did you at least shave for me, bro? Oh no, I thought you liked it uh, kind of sloppy and dirty. Uh, that's the little, old little, uh, little, 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 uh, little grass on the greenery. We haven't talked in a while. I changed it up, man. I'm all about the uh, the smooth play. If you know what I'm talking about. I, I, that's that's how you live to be like a baller. <laughs> it's, it's one step of the five step program. Oh, there's five steps now. Yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta. I add to Q as you know every day. I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a pretty good step. I'll add that then. So you're telling me you your your pube game has steps literally shaved into them to remind oh. you of the steps to become a baller. Yes, yes. My whole, I, you know, how, I don't know if you know how hairy I am. Yes, I, I do. Unfortunately, <laughs> my so I'm like a Memento, the movie Memento, but with body hair instead of tattoos. I just like shave like notes for myself in my chest and in my upper leg, and my upper thighs, and my pubes, all that sort of stuff. Like, don't forget to get your groceries today. <laughs> I was hoping it's you're gonna lie. say you're like a Mento that goes into a, a Diet Coke and you just oh. splash everywhere, all over everybody, uncontrollably. I, I am the Mento that you fed to the seagull. Uh, oh shit! <laughs> All right, we, we've taken it well beyond the realm of where I was prepared to go. You were comfortable with. Okay. I was, yeah. I mean, bestiality and kind of fucking with birds—that's that's where I sort of draw the line. Although I don't really yeah. like birds, they creep me out with their weird I, talons and I, shit. I love birds, and I love pigeons and all those things. All the things you would find at the beach, but when I was, I will be forever mortified. I never knew this was a thing, John, until I was like 13 at the beach with my mom and my dad. And uh, this kid, like just a couple families away from us, like was shaking up some sort of like, you know, soda can and squirting it all over the place. And he put uh, Elka seltzer or something. Oh, fuck. I know where this is going. <laughs> yeah, it was the most disgusting thing that I've ever seen in my life. Uh, without getting into too many de- details, like I never, I, I still can't get that image out of my head. Yeah. So it's I probably. It's probably on par with the uh, deer I get to see hit by a semi on on the highway here, out here. Holy shit! Yeah, that that that'll. That, I think that's very much like the same image. It, it looks like basically tremor when it fell on the ground and after it bolted oh, out of no. the. It sort of looks like that. That's sort of also what the pigeon reminded me of because living out in the East Coast, I saw a lot of asshole kids doing that. Oh my god, that's vile as fuck. Okay, it's, it's pretty gross, man. Yeah, <laughs> and for Anyways. those and for those listening, we're we're gonna kind of get into some weird and trippy space because there's uh, definitely a lot to uncover. As Chad said, we haven't talked in a, an, on on a podcast in about a year. Chad was actually one of the first people to come on. Uh, unbeknownst to him, I did a feature on the band and I recorded it in the most hacky ghetto way ever of doing a podcast. But uh, it was more of where there's a will, there's a way. And at this point now, I can say the way has allowed me to have some nicer equipment to do this. <laughs> You were etching it into phonographs when I when I first met you. Yeah, dude, it was like held. It was like the MacGyver of pocket pussies. It was like some fucking <laughs> duct tape and some shoestrings and some uh, popsicle sticks. Oh my god, that's an amazing record title, by the way, the MacGyver of pocket pussies. <laughs> I just asked a coworker today. I was like, "Yo, is that your fucking flashlight?" And he goes, "What?" And then people were like, "What is that?" And I was like, oh, "You know, it's like a household looking item, but you can fuck it." And they're like, "What?" And I go, "It's got a pocket <laughs> pussy in it." And they're like, "Why would you say that?" I was like, "I don't know. It looks like a pocket. It looks like a flashlight." Come on. Oh my god, that reminds me of this comedian. Uh, oh, who is it? It was like he was telling a joke. I, I know it's going to kill me. If it's gonna, okay, so anyway, I'll tell you that. The, I'll give you the setup. The setup <laughs> was he was supposed to guess what um, he was getting a gift. Like it was like one of those things. The joke was the setup was like, I don't want to guess what my gift is. I, I didn't ask you for this fucking gift. Don't make me. Don't ask me like, what do you think it is? Take a guess. Take a guess. And the only thing that I could come up with was 
can I fuck it? <laughs> <laughs> like what, you know, like he was like, I need some clues. I need some clues. If you're going to yeah. make me guess. She's like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, give him a clue. And he's like, well, can I fuck it? <laughs> and she's like, it's a pocket pussy. How did you know? <laughs> well, the gift that keeps on giving or coming. I still haven't tried it. I still haven't tried it. I haven't either. There's there's this like weird bit of shame where I'm like, I've always said though, like, because I used to work at a strip club uh, down in Kalamazoo, like, uh, when I had just turned 18. So it's like the whole being leery of naked women or weirded out by it, like, I got over that really quickly and just human sexuality and all that kind of stuff. But then, like, you know, we'd have like the jerk off booths and all that kind of stuff, like in our same building. So I learned about those and glory holes pretty quickly. Uh, and then we had a sex toy shop, like, attached to the building, too. So, like, a lot of that stuff just kind of like I got really fascinated with it and then I got like really over it really quickly. But I always used to say, like, Man, if like back when they had those like real pussy and ass molds, like the big fucking gigantic thing you set on the table and you literally fuck it, I was always like, you know, if I'm gonna like re- resort to like fucking fake things, I might as well go all out and spend this like five hundred dollar like fake ass and pussy and like it's got like horse hair or something on it to like re- like emulate pubes. And I was like, I guess I would rather do that. So at least if like someone's gonna be like, you fucked this thing, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I fucked this. Look at this thing. Like yeah, <laughs> it's like the roll. It's like the Rolls Royce of like fake vaginas and assholes it's literally a house payment and that's sitting right here. I mean, yeah no i mean, I mean yeah fucking yeah house payment <laughs> yeah, yeah no i think I'm the same i think i'm the same exact way i, I if i was it's so weird to me that you would like fuck a flashlight essentially yeah. uh that like if i was gonna go if i was gonna do the thing it'd be full monty you know like yeah. I would definitely the whole mold and stuff like that it's really weird when to hear you say like pussy and asshole or something whatever however you just said it yeah, like asshole. in my mind i just kind of was like oh <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah though that's the mental image of like fucking this thing too it'd probably do the same thing you're just like Ugh. no you you you're the way that you described it oh. and delivered it i've oh, yeah. i had the visual of myself actually like fucking this hump of fucking plastic on a table hey hey, like, hey, oh. hey hey it's like the same ballistic mold that they use it's a little nicer than plastic <laughs> It's you an investment in yourself and a good time. I'm so sorry that I've I, I, that I have uh, disrespected you. Just now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, you know I have a lot of a uh, lot of interests and hobbies, and that's one of them I, I don't uh, disdain or shit on. I t- t- totally get it. Last night I almost got into an argument with a um, uh, a liquor store owner because he was di- I felt he was disrespecting the placement of his Trulies. Uh, <laughs> I came into the into the store and I couldn't find the Trulies in the. Uh, I drink Trulies, okay, fine. I'm really into this alcoholic seltzer water thing. Oh, I thought you were making a joke on the Chulies gum from Clerks. No, from Clerks? I wish. Yeah, oh, man, I thought you were going, like, making a Clerks reference. I was like, I'm digging this. Let's go. Well, it it gets weird. So, you know, like, I go into the store. I look in, you know, all of their coolers or whatever, and I can't find these the Trulies. And this, you know, mind you, this is a newer product. I, I think it's only been around maybe a year or so, but I'm really into it. And, um... It's what I prefer to drink, especially if I'm going to drink sad and alone in my house. At least I can have an alcoholic seltzer water so I don't feel like it's such a piece of shit, uh, you know, sitting around pounding booze. So I go up to him and I said, hey, uh, do you have Trulies here? And he's like, yeah, they're in that aisle. And he points over to the dry goods aisle in the liquor store. Like, you know, it's oh, like in a fucking regular aisle without right. it being iced. And I said, bro, are you just going to disrespect the Trulies like that and not even put them in the cooler? <laughs> and he's like. What do you mean? I said, I feel like you're fucking being an asshole right now. Why would you put these in? Like, how am I supposed to take this this 
warm six pack of Trulies home and feel good about it. Like, <laughs> that's a, I had to cool my own Trulies. I'm also buying these fucking alcoholic seltzer waters right now to drink alone. And now you're going to make me buy them when they're fucking warm. Oh, I hate <laughs> <you>. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess people can, I know it's going to be on the new Wilson rider, I guess. Yeah, literally, I was just typing it up. I swear to fucking God, I put a 24-pack of Truly, uh, Truly's alcohol, alcoholic seltzer water. Any flavor will do. <laughs> you better probably be, you'd probably be better off getting a white Griffin Claws. I, I wish we were on face. I love the Griffin Claws. That's my, uh, Actually, my they are pretty second. solid. That's been like the, the new trend down here in GR, which for those not knowing, uh, I'm about two and a half hours away from where Chad lives, roughly, uh, here in Michigan. So the thing in Grand Rapids, and I don't know if you guys are hip to it out there, is uh, PBR Light and Griffin Claws. Yeah, see, no, I don't know about the PBR light, but I'm going to take this photo right now of what I what I did to myself last night, and I'm going to send it to you okay. uh, while we're talking, so I can so you know that I'm 100% not fucking around. Period. Let me know if that came through to your cell phone while we're talking. Okay. So, the whole reason that we're actually here to talk outside of uh, pocket pussies, flashlights, uh, sad alcoholic beverages that 30-year-old men are drinking uh, alone. <laughs> 35, 35. <laughs> All right, I'm going to be 34 in a couple of months. So, yeah, well, I'm right there with you. Um, oh, okay. You're that? Okay. So, okay, sorry. Yeah, I know. I have a, a someone, some lady told Bridget and I that are basically our fat faces from drinking and being pudgy fat people uh, is <laughs> that we, we have well-preserved faces. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Right, so that's that's a nice way of saying I have a pudgy face because I drink. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Hilarious. Um, but anyway, so since the last time that uh, I talked to you, uh, at the time, Right to Rise had been out for a little bit, but at this point now, the whole touring cycle is done. Uh, you have essentially recorded a whole new record. Uh, I believe, I don't know if it's been announced, but I mean, anybody who's somewhat in the know in the industry knows that your label went under. And I think that's sort of another reason as to why it took so long for the new record to be done. I would assume. Are you asking me? Yes. Uh, uh, that's a whole story. Uh, you know, the, we, we, we were very unhappy in many of ways uh, and one of those ways happened to be that record cycle almost killed the band because it took away uh, <clears throat> it took away much of our happiness of, and, and, and kind of started to change us as people. With that being said, I don't know exactly what happened to, uh, to Razor and Ty. Uh, I believe that they were purchased and uh, <clears throat> then became uh, part of another company so some of those bands that are over there are like i think on fearless now because uh, yeah. or something like that but we were out before that whole thing went uh went the way it, it did we uh we let go i mean you know we we had to change something so we had um, taken and uh, made the decision that it was time to move away from certain things that were uh uh causing us such stress and grief and uh make some changes in our lives with that being said we love everybody that we worked with uh, at razor and tie and only wish them the, you know the best of success and we had a good time with those people but the creation of that record and whatever everything that went into it was uh, <clears throat> in the you know what spilled out afterwards it it almost broke us the band apart so that's it's, why it took so long <laughs> it's crazy that you say that because to me from an outsider's perspective, uh, being a fan of the band and, and taking the 
how well I know you guys individually out of everything. As a from a fan's perspective, it seemed like you guys were riding a really good high, like getting on really good tours and all that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, basically the the music business is what kind of almost drove you guys to to kind of call it. I don't know if calling it a day is the word, but to to just kind of really come at wit's end with everything, considering how much to me before you guys got signed and, and doing all the stuff around the EP and then uh full blast fuckery to me, like that would have been the time where it's like really rough, you know, going as a, as a band constantly touring in the van that you guys were in some of the tours and drives you had to do. So to me, it's, it's interesting to hear that in spite of all of that leading up to it, it was kind of more the business side of things that kind of got to you guys. I don't even know if like the music industry is the, is the, is the reason I definitely don't. I think it's, you know, there's part of it, it, what because but right now for instance we're happier than we've ever been and we're with it with we're you know the team and the label and everybody that we're working with like they truly 100 percent understand what we're looking to do and are letting us do whatever we want to do essentially you know like uh i have not heard i heard my first i don't think we can do that uh <laughs> days, two days ago and like you know that that is was never the case before like you know we so like i don't i don't want to blame you know the the music industry yeah it has its dark its dark places for sure uh and people go through them you know thusly you know we what i'm taught why i'm talking to you about this but you know where there's dark there's still light you just have to find you just have to be very i think what we learned is like you have to be very committed to not hearing to not taking no for an answer and, you know, not, not trying to, to fit in because you want to fit in, you know, because you want that chance. So that's, I think a lot of what you, I mean, it took a long time for us to learn this, you know, in our thirties doing as long, doing this as long as we have through this project and other projects, but it really doesn't fucking matter what anybody else thinks uh, about what you're doing. If you don't believe and want to be doing, and more importantly, have it ingrained into your entire being you know that to do those things if you're just taking orders from other people because you think that you're going to find some sort of success you're never going to find that success because it's not going to happen because it's being people you know like it's disingenuine in general and um you know people people you know that old saying like i'd sell my soul for a record deal and all that sort of shit or whatever right. it's not worth i mean it's just not not worth it because at the end of the day I'm not any, you know, I have no more, I have less money than I had, before, you know, like, <laughs> you know, because I had to come out of my pocket to figure out how to make the certain things that I really wanted to have happen, happen because nobody else was believing that it could have been a possibility. I mean, I'll take this for an example, you know, our first single, whatever, the first single from that record cycle or whatever, <clears throat> uh, right to rise. You know, there's so many crazy things. Nobody will ever know how many crazy things went, went into like, that happening to be our single because it was not supposed to be our single our first single and and the record wasn't supposed to be called the right the rise and the you know it, like the the video treatment wasn't supposed to look like that but it all had to in order to fit into somebody else's like i can break the band if we do this sort of thing you know and that's what sucked and you know coming from full blast fucker yeah maybe it was hard but it was our hard you know like we did everything our way in the way that we wanted to do it and um you know for the most part we, it worked i mean i don't i wouldn't say it was a huge success but it worked it built the foundation that we're still literally standing on you know like 
the right to rise almost destroyed that for us because we were so unhappy. I mean, personally, myself, so unhappy with who I was, you know, uh, who I was and who I was, you know, felt like I had to put on that personality around these people or else I wasn't going to sell some products, you know, that, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, it just felt so terrible. And towards the end of it, we made, um, I'm, you know, I had a come to coming to Jesus situation with the guys and, uh, we made some internal decisions. Uh, you know, we almost lost Jason. Jason almost decided to not be in the band anymore because he didn't, because he was hurt so bad from the situation and had some other personal life things going on and he needed to figure out how he could feel happy. So he was like, I, I don't want to tour anymore. You know, I don't want to do this any, anymore, essentially. Like, I'm okay to write music and stuff. That's what I want to do, but I don't want to, I don't want to leave anymore, you know, because of that going out and doing those tours, though they were great. It was everything else that was like in the background that was just awful. And uh, playing, you know, we were super fortunate to to have made the fe- the the friends and the fans that we have through those uh, through that catalyst. And the bands that we played with are all still incredibly great friends with us. We had, a, I mean, if we would have called it a day, then we would have had a really cool run. You know, the history of it all would live on forever for us as people. Like we got to do things that we thought as kids we would never get to do, you know, playing on cruise ships, opening up for Breaking Benjamin, going on tour with our childhood heroes like Seven does, you know, like going and doing hailstorm tours and in, in seeing the UK in, in, in uh, you know, <clears throat> in Europe the way that we did, you know, and being taken underneath their wings and, and, and being showed such greatness, going on tour with Guar, you know, like all of the things, opening up for fucking Jason Newstead on his first and only tour, headlining tour ever, you know, like, <laughs> uh, you know, shit like this, you wouldn't ever, if you told 15, 16 year old me that that would be a thing, I would be like, shut up, you know? Right. But at the end of the day, we had to we had to do something for ourselves and this is that record you know this is what what we wanted to do uh and we did it we did it before i mean you 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 got to know that before there was a label before there was anything um there was that record there's those songs uh, right and nothing has changed for the most part from the beginning of that creation to where we are now and adhering to it and continuing to um, push that vision of it out forward is, is the only reason why we're, we're still a band. It was, and I might end up cutting this part out, but it was kind of interesting since, you know, some of the tours you did and have come through here with, like some of those bands have become friends of, you know, Bridget and I is my wife. And I remember when we went to Austin to go, just to go, but then we ended up running into Bishop uh, from Crobot. And when he kind of filled me in with what was going on at that point, which you kind of just talked about with Jason potentially leaving. And he's like, yeah, I think, I think I might be replacing Jason. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> like that was kind of a, I thought about it for a minute. I was like, I mean, that would be interesting. I could see it kind of, but on the same token, I was like, man, I just, Jason not being in the band would be really, really hard. I think as a, as a fan and as a friend to see something like that. So, I mean, like that kind of, to me was like when I realized that like, something definitely there was some some issues within the band and stuff that like people weren't having fun anymore and kind of speaking a little bit and i don't know if you want to get into this but i think it really speaks to the just where the band was and just how hard it is to be in a band trying to you know as you said a lot of people would be like i'd sell my soul to be where you guys are but the flip side of that is 
you know, that touring cycle basically cost, I think, just about every single one of you other than Pooey. Uh, or I'm sorry, other than Kyle. I think it cost every single one of you the relationships you had. And yeah. it's like, when you think about that, and it's like people don't think of a band having casualties in that kind of a sense. And it's like the fact that almost every single one of you had long-term relationships just go by the wayside because of how much you were committed to the thing that you love. Like, that's got to be so shitty to be like i love this thing and i love this person however i can't seem to find this balance where i can make both work without sacrificing something unfortunately to either one and that's not fair to me or the other these other two things so i mean am, am i kind of off on that thinking or no you're 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 right on i mean you know that that's un the unfortunate part of this business you know like uh you know and not everybody's built the same. Not everybody can take the stressors of their their loved ones being away for as long as they they are. I mean, I have to say, one hundred percent, anybody who's like, you know, the other half of a touring musician's life is, you know, is a fucking warrior. You know, like a dealing with that and dealing with the issues that arise back home, especially when you're, you know, like in a situation where you're like married with children and like here's this person that's like, got to figure out how to be a dad, how to be a a husband, how to, you know, provide and, and, and be an equal, still be an equal part in both of those, in all those people's worlds, as well as give them, give themselves to, you know, an, a, an audience every single waking moment of their lives. It's, it's insane. It's, it's, it's crazy to me. And yeah, it, it, I mean, besides, not even just the relationships of like your partners in that way, but like your, your parents, your best friends, the people that like, uh, you know, care the most about you are at home rooting for you, but you can't even, you can barely wake up and, and not have them, you know, and take a shit alone, let alone like give somebody, uh, you know, the attention that they deserve because there's, they're there in the background of your life like supporting you harder than any it's crazy it's it, it, it being in a band especially nowadays being in a band uh it makes it easier for us to communicate with the tools that we uh have mm -hmm. available but it's so much more competitive in such other ways that like you have to be on all of the time because there's so many opportunities for other people to take that moment and, and i don't ever look at it like a, as a competition or anything like that but i'm saying like if you don't continue to deliver to your audience uh, that you've created, there have other places to go to find that stimulation, you know, and it's so easy for them to find it and maybe even potentially forget about you and your career or whatever it is. So there's all these pressures to constantly, you know, like somebody's like, you got to do this and do this and get on your Instagram stories and got to build your Twitters. Why aren't you tweeting enough? And, and, and Twitters, I just sounded old. <laughs> Why aren't you tweeting enough? You're going to do a Facebook live thing at four o'clock. Are you available to do that with us? You know, like, wait a second. I still have to like, do Live my shit. life. <laughs> like, my, I haven't done my, I haven't done my fucking dishes in three fucking weeks because of, you know, I have no idea because I'm tweeting all of the fucking time in order to keep up with the, the insane, um, you know, competitive world that is to hold a fan's attention out there. I mean, I'm the same way at shit, you know, like my favorite band six months ago is now not my favorite band. Some other band is like, has all of my attention, you know, and that's just because it's, I'm constantly being stimulated. And I'm also aware of other things that are, can stimulate me, you know? So kind of shifting gears a little bit and kind of segueing more into more recent stuff and then getting into the new, the new record and so forth. 
Um, I know last time I had you on, I jokingly re- was making fun of the fact that you shaved your beard. But I mean, it's funny to think how much, you know, last time people saw you as a band, really. I mean, you've been out since, but I mean, how much of your band's image is wrapped around your beard? And now it's it's been gone for quite a while now. Um, do you still think it's interesting how, how much people are like, oh, when are you going to grow the beard back? When's the beard coming back? How How much of a thing really it became? Yeah, I do. I, 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 I'm grateful for it in many ways because you know, like you said, it, it was a, it was a, it was a talking piece for a band called Wilson, and, uh, <laughs> and I could never believe that that was a situation that the beard was like, boom. You know, I mean, I, I do have to say, if I'm gonna pat myself in the back, at one point it was a pretty righteous beard. It was pretty <laughs> sweet. To, I think I might use an old photo of you and I standing next to each other from a dirt fest forever ago. Oh yeah, see, it's like in. Do I think it's weird? No, because I mean, I have things in you know, like if Julio did have Julio's hair, I'd be like, Oh my god, though, he's holding on to it. (laughs) Yeah, I I was just on it. I just did that 90s cruise ship with uh, and he was on it or whatever, and it was awesome. (laughs) But uh, uh, but you know, like those, I get it, I get that, like that it's like vanilla ice when vanilla ice didn't have a flat top and turn into whatever vanilla ice, you know, the world is so accustomed to seeing you as this this entity and they relate everything about the brand that you're that, you know because again you have to find a reason for somebody to to care about you and for some reason the beard uh almost eclipsed the music in some way shape form and i find that to be the case in many of things now nowadays sometimes you don't even have to have like it's the music's only half the fucking battle you know um which Betty is sad with this one eye yeah exactly which is sad uh <laughs> but you know, like you're not going to change John Q. Public. They're, you know, like no one's going to like. They're so huge. You, you can start. You can try. But uh, the, the the reality is, is it's 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 just a part of everybody. Everybody associates those sort of things. Like when fucking what's his name Seth that dude from uh, the comedian actor from Superbad uh, Seth, Seth Rogen. Yeah. Well, no, the other one. Uh, not Seth. I guess it's. Uh, you know what I'm talking about? He's the bigger oh, guy. Oh, Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill. Sorry. When Jonah Hill, but he was Seth in the movie. That's right. Uh, so when Jonah Hill lost all the weight, lost all that fucking weight, people were like, what? You know, it was like a big deal. Because Can he be funny? Yeah. Can he be funny? Exactly. Can he okay. still be that person? But, you know, with the beard and shit and shaving it, I mean, that's part, you know, exactly that's the catalyst of why of the thing. One of the things that was making me so unhappy, you know, um, and it, I mean, other than having my sister's wedding that was coming up in a few months and I didn't want to have a beard to look back. I didn't want to see those photos for years and years to come <laughs> standing next to my sister, you know, in her on her special wedding day with a fucking beard, you know, and her having this her. I mean, whether she liked it or loves me or not, I just wanted to come correct for her. So I wanted to do it months in advance. So it wasn't like that photo popped up on the Internet and people were commenting about my beard on my sister's wedding day photo. You know, that's fucked right. up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I just knew knew it needed to happen then. And on top of that, I needed to change I, who I was inside. Right. I needed to come out, you know. So kind of speaking more to the fact that you're changing, I know there is a video that came out from Rock on the Range. You did an interview uh, and kind of shifting more now into the new the new Wilson, literally and figuratively. Um, you know, you talk about you 
microdosing on LSD and so forth. So as someone who a lot of times, like when I tell people the, the drugs I've done in my lifetime as an adult, people are like, I didn't think you did any of that shit. And it's like, well, I mean, I don't fucking brag about it, but <laughs> I mean, it's not something I do all the time either. So, I mean, for me, it's it's always been one of those things like I, I tread carefully because I have a healthy respect for for the drugs. But the flip side of that is I've learned how, you know, I've done shrooms. I've done, I think, uh, I don't know if it was DMT or Molly or something like that. It was technically it was a plant additive here in the States. But if you just so happen to ingest it, these are the things that happen to you. Um, But it was something that would absorb into your system very quickly. So you could just re-up at the peak and just keep peaking for as long as you wanted and have no no side of no downfall no side effects and i mean if that's not the the most gluttonous american drug kind of thing i've ever heard of where it's like you mean i can just keep experiencing the best part of something as long as i want fuck it let me do that yeah Uh, yeah but i know what those things have done to me and allowed me to kind of learn more about myself and learn more about the world around me because it just I, i don't think if you have I mean, this sounds really stupid, but I mean, if you, I feel like if you are a a pretty smart person who's constantly thinking and always looking for answers to things and always searching, I guess is the good word, then sometimes drugs like that are, I think, allow you to learn so much about yourself and and give you experiences or kind of tell you things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to come to grips with or be honest with yourself to, to realize. And I know after hearing that interview, you talked about microdosing, and, and that's not something I've done, but I'm interested to hear what you went through because it seems like it's all tied around the same thing around the time of you shaving your beard and so forth. Like, I think that was just, a, 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 I guess, a, a reawakening for you. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, everything that you pretty much said was really, 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 really poignant and perfect, especially about respecting the drugs and, and, and using, and when you're using them to be using them for situations where you, like you said, if you're curious and you're looking to wander and find more uh, out about yourself in the world that um, surrounds you and there, there's ways to do that, um, you know, and respecting the ways to do that is the most important uh, discovery. It's a discovery all it's, it's a lesson all in, in its, in its own. Um, yeah, to, to talk about it, to go back to the beard and to go to go back to the sadness and darkness and and to come to where I am now. Um, I, the beard is the start of it, and being unhappy in many of other ways uh, with my you know my my existence, my job, my the band that, that you know that I was in, you know, and the things that I was just kind of like I'm just showing up for everybody else, you know, right now. And though I, I love doing that, I'm this part of who I am. And I realized that even more through this experience, I need to figure out what it is that, why, like, how can I exist around my peers in this world and understand them so I can be the best person for them as well as understand myself so that I can be the best person for them uh, and myself. So you know, shortly after that and the wedding and all that, all the stuff I was talking about, I uh, just had this like overwhelming feeling to start to travel, to like do something, go to a place that I might've been, I don't know if, if, if fear is the right word, but like would have been cautious to, because I was, ta- you know, because of the way I, I was, you know, the way I grew up in the area of the world that I grew up in this little small town, it was like, Whoa, that'd be crazy if you went there, you know, and that one of those places being Vietnam. And, um, 
because of the way that you were taught about everything in the history books. And, you know, that was nailed into your head so deeply that like this could be a very dangerous place for you to go or something, at least for me when I was a child, the places like that were just like you wouldn't even think about going to. So I decided that in that same thing, I've always been extremely afraid of the ocean. Um, and I don't know, I never, I don't know why, where that fear came from, other than like this, you know, the, the social attributes of like Jaws and things like that. <laughs> so I was like, I, I've always been fascinated with surfing. Uh, I've always been afraid of the water and I want to go to this, I want to go to Vietnam and I want to go to, to the, you know, to, to China. I want to do all these things. So I took a, a month and a half of my life and myself and a few buddies, uh, we went and learned how to surf in Indonesia in the open fucking ocean. It was frightening. But as soon as I stepped on a, the surfboard and actually rode my first wave, uh, everything changed. Something just happened to me in that moment where I was just like, <clears throat> nothing is scary. No, and, and I can do anything that I want to do. I know it sounds super cheesy. It's like what your parents tell you when you're growing up. Mm-hmm. But it really made sense to me right then and there when I'm standing on the ocean and riding this fucking wave and, and I'm literally losing all I could do is scream fucking Slayer I don't know why <laughs> I don't even like Slayer John I don't even know why yeah, you, we're, we're in the same boat on that but I think so it's I think I think Slayer has become sorry to cut you off I think Slayer has become the word or the phrase it basically is a every it's a it's a catch-all it's a it's a verb it's a noun it's an adjective it almost has it's almost up there with fuck like when something's super radical and you're just I mean sometimes like I think it just becomes a thing you're like fucking Slayer because like everyone gets so <laughs> excited about Slayer that I think it just becomes another word a transcendent word for excitement and just like holy shitness that's not yeah. even a word. <laughs> It's holy shitness is totally a word. That's another thing that was gonna I can get into uh, with this whole thing. It can be whatever the world is can be whatever the fuck you want it to be. And who who the fuck are you to tell me that I can't do this or this place is scary or don't go to this because you're gonna do this or you can't tell me shit is what basically what happened when I was right. on that fucking wave. It was the most exhilarating, open, honest thing that I've ever had experienced in my life. And from there, I spent that next rest of the month that I was traveling or whatever, like doing shit that I just never thought I would do. Like I rented a fucking moped in, in <laughs> Vietnam and like just rode around the countryside, no GPS, didn't know how the fuck I was going to get anywhere, you know, like from this town to this town, days on this fucking thing, going, you know, doing um, canyoning, like jumping off of fucking waterfalls into like four feet of fucking water, you know, like just shit that like my m- mind and body would have normally just told me like, you don't need to do that. That's great. <laughs> But all of those things I started to do. And while I was over there, I met this guy in like this weird, and you know, it was like one of those situations like, don't go to that weird village bar, dude. You might get your butthole raped and killed. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, I'm going into this fucking weird village bar. And I met this guy and he sold me some mushrooms, right? So also, this is in Vietnam. You must know that like weed alone can get your hands cut off there. Yeah. So like, for him to give me mushrooms, have be selling mushrooms, I was like, whoa, this is, this is a little, this can't be mushrooms. This guy's got to be fucking with me, you know, that sort of shit. And I was like, nah, fuck it. You know, if I die in Vietnam by taking some weird mushrooms that this guy sold me at a bar, I just learned how to surf and jumped off a fucking canyon and rode my fucking moped uh, up and down the coast <laughs> of Vietnam. So nobody could tell me shit again, you know? So right. I took these fucking mushrooms and uh, I had a great time. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, we, the, the trip kept going on, you know, I did the, the, pretty much that whole entire thing every single day. I could tell I could talk for hours about it, but 
coming home, I immediately was found myself saying, I need to feel like that all of the time. So I have a motorcycle, uh, but I, I, I wanted a moped. So I <laughs> stepping off the plant plane, I shit you not. The first thing I did was get on Craigslist and buy a fucking moped. The first one I saw, I don't know why, because I'm an idiot and I just, I, I'm in <laughs> And thing like lasted me two months, took a shit. I rebuilt the carburetor. It, it lasted me like two more weeks and I can't figure it out. It was broken. I spent a thousand dollars to basically ride a moped for like three months. And it sits now in my, uh, in my garage. So this is, so I'll tie all this back to ball or two. Um, so, so then I'm like, I need, I start reading about like situations of how do I feel like that? Like, how do I understand the world more? And I started getting into all these conceptual, like, um, message boards about Silicon Valley and, and finding like, you know, uh, finding ways to microdose uh, LSD mushrooms, whatever it is. So I said, you know what, this is another thing that would totally frighten me. I would never take LSD, you know, um, but I did, <laughs> and I, took, I took LSD. And then on the come down of that hit of LSD, I felt something so euphoric and weird, like the clairvoyance of like all of the issues I've ever had in my life of why, like this person might feel this way towards me, or I feel this way towards them or, or how, I, I don't know how to ex extreme exactly describe that feeling other than to say, I fucking got it. You know, I get it now. So I then microdosed, which is a process of taking and measuring out the, you know, the, uh, the amount of the LSD, essentially. Uh, in this case, I use tabs uh, and, and distilled water and uh, measured out that those that distilled water to be a, a specific amount of uh, milliliters. Uh, and I took that every three days because the idea is what I'm looking for. I'm, I'm not chasing the the. I'm, the, it's the peak, the first peak, the, like the chasing yeah, the dragon, as everyone calls it. Yeah, I'm not chasing the high. I'm chasing, yeah, the perception. I'm, I'm chasing my, I'm, I'm chasing the, the ability to understand my fellow man. You know, like, I don't know what it is, but I, I problem solving, essentially. Okay. You know, like, the easiest way to put it is, like, there's an issue. How do I get around it? How do I fix it? How do I, you know, why can't I see the, the, the answer? So I did this. And, uh, you know, the, the way that you do that, essentially, the way that you microdose is, is, um, the, preferred way to do it is to take your first hit of acid so you have the experience so and then you, you have a couple of days the two days that follow that is your come down you know like you're 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 sitting in and thinking about what you just went through and then you take a little bit just a tiny bit uh that you decide is the right amount for you because you're not supposed to feel anything if you feel like you're tripping You've taken too much. You're not supposed to even know that LSD is inside of your system. The idea is your the long play of you, your interactions with yourself in the world should, um, you know, it should grip to that come down of the LSD experience. Like you should be just kind of living in that sort of same mindset or trying to. So I did this for, uh, you know, the first time I did it was like three and a half weeks uh, every three days taking, uh, small amounts of, um, acid. <laughs> and then, uh, I sat with the, the, I sat with the person that I'd become and the thoughts that I've had for a few months. And then I went at it again. And, uh, over the course of this period, and I did it for another month. And over the course of that time coming home from Indonesia, I started writing music that I wanted to write. Um, you know, stuff. I mean, I always, I've always written as, with the band, obviously, and, and my own bands and over the years and been a songwriter, guitar player, all that shit. But 
this time I wanted to like do things that I was, you know, make music that I was really interested uh, in. And I taught myself how to record and, and with Pro Tools and um, started writing uh, demos. And those demos ended up becoming uh, something that the rest of the band ended up really enjoying. And we ended up making a record <laughs> throughout the course of me uh, taking uh, LSD. <laughs> and... Uh, and uh, no, the other guys didn't, you know, they, I mean, not to say that they probably wouldn't, but they, you know, they didn't really even know how I was, why, that I was doing this, you know? Right. So, yeah, so you, we made a record. Um, I don't, I think I might have lost. Okay, so here's where the baller thing comes in. So we made a record. When we turned in the said record to Sony, uh, we had the discussion about the single. The single, the first single ended up being like a baller, and we all were super hyped on it. And uh, I came together with came and brought a music video treatment in. And I said, I feel like we have to, in my mind, I said, I did not to them, but in my mind, I said, I feel like we have to include this moped <laughs> because it's literally, <laughs> it, it's part of that whole thing. Right. Uh, and so we took my broken moped and put it in my music video. <laughs> and the concept of the, of the music video is, and the song in general, is that uh, I'm a valet driver. So it start, starts with, you know, seemingly that I'm like this badass dude, right? Driving right. around in a badass and car. And Ryan Seacrest comes and wakes your ass up to reality. Exactly. And I'm just a valet driver driving around his, his fucking car and my life is shit. But, you know, the end all, the, 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 the capture of it all, it all is that you can, you know, one day I'm going to do this thing. Right. And, uh, I'm gonna be this baller that I'm that I'm trying to I emulate in the you know with the song and the lyrics. So we made it pretty much. Did you see the video or just hear the song? I only heard the song. Okay, so the video is out of control. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I can imagine lyric based on the lyrics and the music. I can kind of imagine. I mean, it's funny when you and I were texting last night, uh, and you mentioned offspring as one of the bands potentially like oh it kind of would be like if this band this band this band and so forth and you mentioned offspring it's funny because i could imagine like sort of a, a, a different take on pretty fly for a white guy as like the the visuals to accompany it like sure. that sort of like tongue-in-cheek but like ever like it it fits the vibe of what the lyrics are which the lyrics are serious but like we're having fun with it and so i imagine that yeah yeah, 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 you're one. You, you're one hundred percent right. So we paint this fucking my scooter gold, right? <laughs> <laughs> I bedazzle it. We paint the scooter gold. Uh, you know, in the bridge of the song, I bust into this area. Uh, you know, I'm right. Like the whole concept is, uh, one day I'm going to be a baller, and this is how we're going to do it, guys. We're going to do it this way. And the the, <laughs> the answer is to take a moped and paint it gold and bedazzle it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like Haggard. It's almost like you did the Haggard thing, where like the prize for the competition for the best uh, invention is this like Haggard ass bike that they painted gold and put fake diamonds on it. Yep. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> I mean, I I, I've not seen Haggard, but it's absolutely. Oh my god! Well, now that you okay, you have to see it. Yeah, absolutely. rent it on iTunes or something. You have to see it, and it'll be that. That is a you just have to just just rent that. Absolutely, I'm going to totally check it out. That's so hilarious. No, I that's awesome. So yeah, uh, you know, with all that being with everything that I kind of just like spewed out, uh, I think, I think that we're all. I mean, I know that we're all happy. Um, or than we've ever been. And the, you know, we, you might've seen those footage of, of the footage of us at rock on the range. That was like a big deal for us. You know, like we were like, we wanted to do this show and make it only and do only this show and make this show 
the one where like you haven't heard from us for a while you have no idea what the fuck is going on so if you're going to be there to see us or if you don't know us more you know even more importantly our fans the people who do know us they know we're weirdos you know that we're we like to have fun and we we were kind of worried like all right are these people going to like totally turn their their backs on us when we play all this new music that they have and they're like what the fuck is this this guy's got green hair no beard they're all colorful there's laser lights and and there's a fucking dj on stage and a horn section and shit we're like uh, but we I, we we wanted to risk it. We wanted to see if what, what people would think. You know, like here's this band that you know, 100% to be completely different than you're looking at right now. What do you think about that? And the response that we got was from our fans was overwhelmingly positive. Like they almost people didn't even fucking say anything. It was so strange. <laughs> like saw all the guys so cool to see them love the new songs. You know that sort of shit. Like can't wait for the record. Oh my god, that was so fun. Nobody said anything in like, like about the fake DJ or the horn players and, or all this other shit. I was like, but they're just going to be, they're just going to go with it. You know, it's like, Shh, just go with it. You know, that sort of thing. Uh, and, uh, and we, we, you know, there was a, a big catalyst to, to, for us to jump this, jump off on this record cycle, you know? So kind of backtracking for just a second, cause I wanted to ask this, but I was waiting for the appropriate time to, um, so I know like when I took shrooms and like when I, I end up tripping and stuff like that, something that I learned about myself is that for some reason I become very acutely aware of time, uh, not literally like just literal time, but like time as a concept, uh, real quick story. Like I ended up taking shrooms. We went for a walk, like some friends and I, and they brought their dogs, but they have tiny dogs. And I was like, I don't want responsibility while I'm tripping, uh, and so we're walking through this park and I wanted one of the points since they have tiny ass dogs, we had to stop and like, so they could catch their breath and, you know, get their stamina back. And there is an old couple that was walking a little bit in front of us. And there is a lady jogging toward us, like a little bit further ahead of the couple, the older couple. And I just like stopped and watched this lady run. And everyone's and the guy, my friends are like, what do you think she's hot? And I was like, nah, I was like, you know what's fucked up is like that old couple is in our future. We're here in our present and she's now in our past, but she just tra transversed between our present, the, the, their, that people's presence into our, into our, like our future, our present. And she just went into our past all at one time in about 30 seconds. And they're like, what? And I was like, no, think about it. Like she just went through all of those like phases of time in like yeah. 30 seconds and i was like that's that's kind of fucked up like we don't think about how people like there's someone that is in our our future and we don't know them and, and you know they're experiencing their own present and then there's like a split you know common time where we're both in the now and then you know potentially like they're like you know they're going behind us into our past but like it's their future and i was like that's that's just a crazy fucking thing to think about and you know, I, I, I realize like when I think of things like that, I'm like, yeah, I'm fucked up. I know, <laughs> but it's one of those that like, I thinking about things like that, like, I think that was one of the things that I became more aware of is just the concept of time and, and what it means to different people and, and you know, how it works and stuff like that. And so I know you kind of talked about like when you would do things, like it kind of taught you more about yourself and just kind of trying to be the most alive and in the moment that you can be, I guess also time, but was there anything else that like as a result of you doing the microdosing or anything like that, like that you became oddly aware of that you were like, wow, why am I like focusing on this thing? Yes. My attitude. Okay. Not even just about myself, but like, uh, how, like 
not just, I mean, I guess it is my, yeah, it's myself. So if I can revert to how that works <laughs> in the, in the world, uh, the energy that I was receiving based upon my, my output of energy, that's the most, was the most important lesson for me is it again, how, how do, how do these, like, how do I work? How can I, I don't even, I just keep saying I, but really is like, why are you here? <laughs> what, <laughs> that makes right. Sense. Like, the purpose like, we how serve. Did I get, how did we get to each other? You know what I'm saying? Like right. uh, it, there's steps that had to be made. Like you said, time, everything's all time. It's all time. It is 100% revolves around time. These people that come in and out of your life, they had to have steps in their lives to get to your life and we only know their steps that you can see but you like you said the perception of these older folks that have had a whole entire experience of life that you don't you're not even thinking you've never thought about i want to think about you and that's what i was that's where i was going with it like how how can i think about you like i want to know i want to know what makes you happy and what makes you sad and where where you need you know supplement in in those two things in those two emotions and and how why are you here in front of me like what did you do in your life and what steps did i do in my life that brought us together if that makes any sense no totally yeah it, it's always funny when you when you talk to people who have had those experiences like where you kind of can connect on a completely different like where you're like yeah i know we're talking about like being completely fucked up and like just kind of out of our minds but like on the flip side of that it's like if you can even in the eye of the storm kind of realize like okay like i've kind of surrendered myself to this and like these thoughts i have are like just literally the thoughts that are coming to me and so they must mean something and they and just trying to decipher it all and hopefully remembering it after the fact so you can really kind of be like wow okay like i should probably figure out what that's why i'm so like focused on that um but yeah, so I just kind of wanted to ask that, like, before we kind of start wrapping up. So I yeah. mean, you, you, you talked about the new record, like everyone seems very happy. Like I know, I mean, adversely, like, you know, I mentioned earlier that like, you know, everyone basically lost all the relationships that they had been building and, and been a part of for a long time. Adversely, it seems like everyone's now in great places. Uh, Kyle is engaged. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, everyone seems to have like really healthy relationships and so forth. And uh, you know, having ran into Pui and James a couple eh, about a month or so ago while they were down here, you know, it seems like everyone's really excited. And I feel like you guys are from now the perspective as a friend, I feel like you guys are where you were before like full blast fuckery came out and that excitement and that readiness to showcase what you've been working for, working toward and on that is gonna take the fans that have been with you from the get-go to where you want to go now and just you know being excited about everything that's in front of you I, I, is that a fair assessment as well absolutely it's exactly i mean it's pretty much that same exact excitement but you know we now we've been through it a few times so we understand how to harness it and can and control it a little bit better so we can use it uh, as good <laughs> uh, for us in versus, versus like overwhelmingly terrible situations <laughs> that we could possibly find ourselves into because we want to say yes to everything. You know, th those sort of experiences that you go through, you learn on the other side, like, okay, well, we've already done that before and it didn't work. So this time, let's let our excitement just kind of marinate until it's the right, the right time to say yes. So patience is what we've kind of learned uh, over the time. And and this is 
what we've done. We've been very patient. Uh, by, I mean, the record's been fucking done since uh, 2017. Uh, December 20, 21st, I went home from Los Angeles and finished the record. Uh, so at, that's how long the, the thing's been done. We've been waiting and trying to figure out the right time frame for everything and you know how it's going to kind of all piece together because you know for us it's 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 our baby and for our team it's their baby because they're very excited as well and for the label it's their baby and and they know how long we've been working at this and uh, how hard we've been working at this and what we went through to get to this place uh, as humans so yeah everything's just in its in its own place right now and it will be as patient as possible and we will uh we have the same excitement that we have if, if not even any if not more uh excitement than we've ever had so you guys are getting ready to drop the single uh it's the 22nd the, the single comes out on the 22nd okay so yeah this single is gonna come video. out yep this is gonna come out on the 17th so um so i mean you talked a little bit about how the fan longtime fans were so over kind of speechless in a sense of like they didn't they were just like yeah everything was great <laughs> like didn't didn't know how to react to it uh i know i kind of went into it like i have we have mutual friends who said that they heard it on ship rock and so forth and so all i got was like well i was really hammered but it's definitely different so yeah. like i had all these words that had people have told me but no one i haven't heard a single note of music so when i heard like a baller it's it was funny because someone asked me to describe it. I was like, it's not, it's pop, but it's not completely just pop. It's still got rock and stuff. It still sounds, I was like, I don't know. It's like this weird hybrid of things that I was like, I guess like the easiest way I could describe it when I was trying to describe it to Bridget, I was like, my, I go, it's sort of like if you take the fly, like if the fly was like the, the beginning point of of what this is going to be i feel like that was the begin the song that like was like we're going to dip our toes into this and see how it feels to make this song and see how it goes over and then we're going to explore that a lot more like more melody more you know less less heaviness more emphasis on like songwriting and kind of structure and, and kind of coming up with a good feeling like kind of pop song i guess for lack of a better word yeah i mean yeah I wouldn't say that you're wrong. <laughs> I'd say what I, I don't, you know. Here, here, if I can give you any sort of insight into my in, into my personal uh, life of what I listen to, I pretty much only listen to stuff that makes me ha like feel really good. <laughs> so uh, I listen to a lot of hip hop, particularly. Same. I listen, yeah. So I mean, I listen to just, I mean, lots of hip hop, lots of uh, I love like Lakele Forty Seven, and I like K Flay and Bishop Briggs and things like that too. But uh, uh, I also listen to a lot of '90s my, the things that I grew up on that I love, like the, the Offspring, records, Toadies, all that stuff. So that makes me re makes that brings me back to that place in my life that I'm like I felt like I was exploring and getting finding out things about myself for the first time of what I like. So if, if music comes out in that sort of, like I love dinosaur pileup, that's like a new newer band in that vein that, um, that reminds me of that time in the nineties. Like I love shit like that. Uh, microwave. I love that band microwave. Uh, and traversely, I, I, I only listen to pretty much hip hop or pop stuff uh, on the other side of that. So, I mean, you kind of nailed the, the, uh, you nailed it right on its head with the uh with the description i think <laughs> of the song 
Um, kind of, like I said, kind of wrapping up the last couple of questions. So how are you and how are the guys? I mean, you already unveiled kind of the new look, the new, you know, stage attire. You don't look like, you know, a rough and tumble biker gang anymore. Uh, it replaced it is, you know, bright pants worn past the, uh, whatever day you're not supposed to wear white pants anymore. <laughs> uh, and you know, it, it's a lot brighter and, and louder and all that kind of stuff. So to me that, that screams, it reminds me of like when we were growing up, you know, being only a year apart, like the early nineties, like where it's just like shit was like kind of bright and all over the place and weird styles that didn't seem like they'd go together when you think about it. But in the retrospect, it's like, whatever, man, do you like have fun being you. It seems like that's the vibe that Wilson's going for at this point. And I know you already said that, like, you know, fans at Rock on the Range were pretty receptive to it. But when you finally release a song on Friday, are, is there a little bit of trepidation where you're like, oh, man, like, are people ready for this? What is the reaction going to be? I think we've, we kind of left that feeling in, uh, behind us a while ago. But, yeah, there was definitely that, especially when, like, when... It, when it was becoming real, when the demos turned into like, okay, now we're in the studio making this record and we can't turn back. <laughs> uh, like that's when we started to think about things like, are people going to like get this? Are they going to understand like what we're doing? Uh, or are they just going to like brush it in, like brush it off or, you know, or hate it or whatever. But then we just, there's just a moment in time where I, I don't even know exactly the date, but I just felt that feeling going away. And it's like I said, kind of like when I'm on that fucking the, the, on the wave, fucking Slayer. I don't get, you can't tell me shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and then that, that's, and that's the kind of the feeling that we have is you can't tell me shit. You know, like I, I feel the way that I feel and I'm excited the way that I'm excited. And if you like it, fuck yeah. If you don't, I don't fucking give a shit. And it, particularly, I don't give a fucking shit if like, we if some like closed-minded jackass dude doesn't uh you know isn't like it's like not metal enough well then fucking goodbye you know what i'm saying like <laughs> they're you're the exact opposite of what the of what the world needs then the world needs more open-minded people and more people that are are supportive of of folks and they're traveling and, and that opens up more doors for others to have opportunities like this in their future you don't have to you can you don't have to like control yourself to the, some sort of machine that you think that this is the way it's got to be because it doesn't and even if it doesn't fucking work out like i said we don't give a shit so it, if, if anything if somebody's like oh this is too poppy well our attitudes are very 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 fucking punk about it because i don't give a fucking shit if you like it or you don't like it uh but I hope you like it because it's hilarious and we're just here to put some smiles on your faces so you can't take mine away by telling me you don't like it you know Set list wise, because uh, you have a tour coming up that just got announced with Theory, as they're known now, uh, and uh, actually a band that I did a show with a, long, a while ago when I booked a tour uh, with Spirit Animal opening up for you guys. They're a great yeah. band. They just came around with uh, Incubus, and it was crazy because I was like, hey, we played a show together, and Ypsilanti goes Woodruffs, and I was like, that is correct. Oh, shit. I remember so, Woodruffs. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like, we, it, it's been crazy to see those guys having the success that they've had over the last handful of years, just kind of, a, you know, changing up their style a little bit. And the singer, uh, Steven, uh, actually was a rapper, or I guess still is, technically. Technically, but uh, was a rapper and then decided to switch it up and 
be in a band and, and do this thing and, and he's you know having a lot of success doing it so i mean i think to me knowing that backstory on that band i think the fact that you guys are touring with them on this this new record coming up and so forth i think it makes perfect sense to yeah. me um all that being said uh when is the record coming out uh i don't know if you've officially i mean i know the name of the record but i don't know if it's been officially announced uh, it hasn't okay uh but the record's coming out at the end of august i, I think um the the date gets revealed since this is coming out a little bit beforehand uh the date gets revealed on the date Friday. of the record yeah on the record i'm um, when the single comes out so i always like to end these episodes uh with a song so i'll have you first plug your socials where people can find you and the band online and uh then have you pick a song that you would like me to end the episode to and maybe give a little reason as to why you chose it uh, we can, you can find, we're Wilson and you can find us at www.houseoffuckery.com and our socials are at Wilson parties across Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, all that Twitters. stuff, tweets, tweetsers. Um, and to close the episode, I think you should play Kendrick Lamar's bitch. Don't kill my vibe. Oh, so good. Yeah. Actually, I'm going to ask, I mean, I don't know if two white people can can talk on this. What do you think of the the whole thing that happened with that uh, over at uh that festival he played at a couple about a month ago? Are you talking about when she said the n-word? Yeah. Um I, See, immediately I say no, you know, like the my immediate reaction is no. Uh, but at the same time, I get I mean, you're in that situation, you're on stage, you know, like, I'm not saying that, I, that you should go around saying, <laughs> yelling those words, even if there's, you're uh, in your car with your, your lyric, with your windows rolled down to sing that, I mean, I'm, you know, I, I'm not advocating for that, but you're on stage with your favorite artist, they ask you to sing the lyrics to the yeah. song, your heartbeat is going a million miles per hour, you know, like, I can understand, I mean, if Kendrick Lamar brought me up on stage and asked me to, like, sing a lines to his, some some lines to his song i would be losing my motherfucking shit and the last thing that i would be thinking about is like self-editing it, it just because it's it's just so much like a human emotion going on in that moment that like yeah this person said that thing should you have called them out in front of everybody like that no you know probably not and uh you know you could have taken that lesson instead of embarrass her as hard as i mean maybe but then again then again, it takes those lessons. Um, it takes those big, huge uh, no-nos, in, you know, in life to be to have light to put the fucking light on it and shine on the, the issue. So I, I, it, I would have to say, I, I mean, I'm fifty-fifty, man, because it was an accident. You know, I could see it being an accident, and like the girl just being like, well, "What do I do? I'm singing the fucking thing, you know. This is I know the words. I know every fucking word of your their songs, and you just say it." But. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. <laughs> I, I think it's an interesting thing on so many levels. And, like, I talked to this dude, uh, Hiro the Hero. Um, yeah. And, you know, with him being a black person kind of more in the, the hardcore-ish kind of scene, I was like, so, like, you know, you're playing Louder Than Life Festival. You go down to the crowd. You know, you put the mic down. And, like, someone like maybe like myself as a white person knows the lyrics. I'm singing along to your new song. And, like. I fucking say it like are you gonna be like bummed or like what he goes and he said the same thing like he he went through the exact same thing it was like I mean on the one hand I'm stoked because you know my shit like so as an artist I'm like oh my god you know my stuff that's awesome but on the flip side you know as a black dude like I'm kind of like that's fucked up but then you know he and then he was like you know 
there's things where obviously like you know me being a black dude and having a lot of white friends like you know i know these people don't have hate in their hearts so like i fucking let them say it like i would like any of my other black friends so but then we you know we can agree that some white people shouldn't fucking say it and he's like man i don't know and i was like i think it's a conversation we kind he's like it's just so hard and i go i think it's a conversation we kind of need to actually have because then it's sort of separating your fans from those who really get to you know take more away from your lyrics because of who they are and, and all the and the you know prejudices maybe they've gone through but is that fair either and then he's mm-hmm. like man i don't know like that's such like we can take it in so many different directions on a musical level like man i don't know so i i, I don't know i've been thinking a lot about it just because of the ramifications of what it really means and represents on a social level on a you know, a musical level from a fan to an artist level. Like just, there's just so much to dissect with it that I've just kind of been like, man, I don't know. I really want to talk to people about this. No, I mean, it's, it, you're absolutely right. It's a conversation piece that should be, I mean, a, a, gen, a giant conversation piece that should be uh, brought up for many reasons, you know, like, you know, you're an artist, like you said, this is the, the, this is the lyrics you chose to be in your song. And this is what you're putting out into the world. That means that after it leaves your your hands and into the world it's everybody's gift you can't control who uses it who doesn't you know that sort of thing just art art isn't up for you know uh, art isn't up for that conversation it's not yours anymore you know you might have created it but it's everybody else's because it's there in the world um so how do you use it (laughs) as the uh as the uh appreciate as somebody that appreciates that person's art um you know but the bigger the bigger uh, issue there is it's probably with an artist like Kendrick it was probably put there so you're thinking more if you choose to you can think more on the issue um, and make a better a, a, a judgment call for yourself and understand where people are coming from and what he's saying and what 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 you know what his race of people are, are going through and, and saying you know like there's there's many and many and many layers to to that conversation and uh, you know i'm definitely not the, the right person to be having those conversations right. for anybody else but uh i i appreciate them and i listen and i pay attention and i you know and i participate um in everything you know re- in, in everything regard regarding black lives matter you know like that movement in general and the people that are so ignorant to the reason why it exists and you know throw things in people's faces like all lives matter blue lives matter it's like no 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 we know all of that. This is not about that. It's about saying that you're not thinking about this race of people the way that you're thinking about this race of people. So somebody's got to say something about that in order for everybody to think about that race of people the same as they think about this race of people. That's the point they're fucking making. Right. You know, you're, so. And then my absolute last question, it's a throwaway question, but I think it'd be fun to end it since we ended it on something serious. <laughs> what are you more surprised that people <laughs> know you for at this point from being the band dude shitting on toilets <laughs> across America or that the fact that you didn't cook your bacon? <laughs> 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 oh my god that's so good john uh the bacon for sure i can't believe it i still get text messages from my friends with their cooked pictures of their cooked bacon you know, like, 
Stop. <laughs> I know stop, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I cooked my bacon the way that I particularly wanted to try this bacon. And then I put it on the internet. That was my that was my fault. You know, like, I couldn't put it out there. I just silently ate my shitty bacon and not showed anybody that I made it that way. It was... <laughs> It's just one of those stupid things. As I was thinking about it, I go, because someone posted about your toilet adventures or whatever, and I was like, Chad's, like, at this point, got, like, such a weird thing that he's known for, like, shitting on toilets across America or undercooked bacon. He's going to have to put it on a t-shirt, just, pictures of under- just a picture of undercooked bacon. Wilson parties with undercooked bacon. The record's called, you know, obviously what the record's called, so it'll, uh, it kind of makes sense. <laughs> Oh, that's genius, actually. The undercooked <laughs> bacon with a record title on it. Can, oh can you make Limp Bacon make like the Wilson W? Oh, Jesus, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. I, didn't, I didn't think I was going to get that big of a reaction out of it, but. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Awesome. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end right there. Uh, well, all right, brother. I appreciate the, I appreciate your time. That was, this has really been really fun and awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, and uh, look forward to getting the new record when it comes out at the end of August at some point, and the new single dropping on Friday. Hell yeah, man. Love you, brother. All right. Love you, too. Bye. So that was my chat with Chad Nicepule of Wilson. Really great getting to catch up with him. I really enjoyed that conversation. I know in the beginning and kind of right there at the very end, we... Kind of got into some weird shit, uh, but I mean, that's just kind of who we are as people, uh, especially when we get together. Um, but I want to thank Chad for taking the time to talk to me and for being honest about a lot of stuff. I mean, as I kind of had said in the during the chat, you know, there's around the time of like potentially hearing Jason was going to leave, you know, it was kind of a groundswell of talk uh, between a lot of the musicians in, in the town uh, here in Michigan and so forth, and even talking to some of the people I've had on this podcast that know those dudes, uh, you know, it kind of got around, and it was really a big question mark about what was going to happen with Wilson, because I, Jason is, at this point, the only original member left in the band, and as such, it would be kind of weird to see that band move forward without him being a part of it, so it just was a very interesting last, you know, year, roughly, uh, being a fan and a friend of those guys in Wilson and just kind of wondering what's happening. And as I said, you know, the other part that makes it really hard is seeing all the guys, like, you know, lose relationships that they have been a part of for so long and just seeing the toll it takes on people. And and I think that's the thing as a friend and as a fan that really is hard because you want to see your friends having a good time and succeeding and doing all these great things. But when you see what it's costing them as people – it just kind of makes you wonder, is it all worth it? And it was really great to have Chad be so honest and open about that that time frame and his experiences that have led him to kind of have a different mindset now of just kind of fuck it. And uh, I'm really interested to see how all the longtime Wilson fans will react to this new music. I'm interested to see how the band sounds going forward. Um... I'll be kind of bummed if, uh, you know, they don't play at least a little homage to the old Wilson songs and play like Susan Jane or Snake Eyes or something like that. But I would totally understand if they don't. Um, It's not really who they, I mean, they still are those people, but maybe moving forward, that's not really the sound of who they are. I mean, I came to grips with it with 100th. Uh, I loved that band when they were still a hardcore band, a melodic hardcore band at that. 
but I love the new record that they put out where they aren't that at all. And I appreciate the fact that they stick to their guns and are just like, hey, look, like we're not playing any of those old songs. Like we only play the new stuff and we're moving forward, but we're still that band. We're still those guys. So, you know, hopefully you come along for the trip. And I think more or less, like as a result of that, I'm kind of in the same boat with Wilson. Like I, I love those dudes. I love what they've done. And I'm excited to see what they do going forward. So if they don't end up playing any of those songs, then that's just something I, as a fan, am going to have to deal with and go along for the ride. But I'm interested to see, like I said, what longtime fans, what new fans, and fans that they may gain just from the new stuff alone. It'll be interesting to see the the, the cross-section of fans at shows from here on out. But I know that they're always going to bring it live. They're always a great live band. And, you know, those those are my dudes. So I fucking love those guys. And, uh, yeah, if you want to show some love and you want to follow Wilson, you can do such on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Wilson Parties. If you would like to follow Chad on Instagram and Twitter, you can find him at Chad Nicefield. That's N-I-C-E-F-I-E-L-D. I don't know sometimes why I spell people's last names or names like you can't figure that out, but if you can't, there it is. Uh, if you would like to follow our partner at Moshpit Nation, you can find them at moshpitnation.com. Find them on Facebook at Nation West, capital M-I. Twitter and Instagram are simply Moshpit Nation. And if you would like to keep up with what I'm doing, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at John's Untitled Podcast. Tweet at me at John's Untitled Pod and email me at johnsuntitledpod at gmail.com. Also going to link a sponsor. Uh, if you follow my socials, you will have seen this past week that I announced that the Bean Bastard has come on as a sponsor. They are a local coffee company out of Buffalo, New York. It is founded and made by Nicholas Maruso of It Dies Today fame, the drummer. And it's good shit. Um, I uh, have been supplying some of my friends with a little bit to uh, get them hooked. Uh, hopefully a promo code will be coming here pretty soon, as well as an ad copy so I can actually read something from the lips and the mind of Nick, as opposed to just telling you, like, hey, this coffee is good, buy it. Um, but yeah, go check out what they're doing over on Instagram, Facebook. You can find them at The Bean Bastard. Uh, go support them because they support us over here. And speaking of supporting... And speaking of supporting, we are going to support a mutual artist that Chad and I love, Kendrick Lamar. I uh, can't say enough great things about him. I've really enjoyed the last handful of records he's put out. Uh, I keep finding new things about Damn that I love. Uh, the whole listening to it backwards, and that's actually how it was supposed to be in the track listing order. I mean, the dude's just on such another level that kind of makes me jealous. <laughs> so uh, without further ado, we're going to end this episode as we always do with a song. It is Kendrick Lamar, Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe. I want to thank Chad again. Uh, their new single is dropping Friday the 22nd. Uh, check it out. Go support those dudes. Uh, and the lots of announcements are going to be happening on Friday and beyond. So go check out houseoffuckery.com and keep up with everything going on in the Wilson camp. And uh, I will talk to you on Wednesday when I post my bonus episode with Hollowfront. Talk to you then. Probably gonna sin again Lord forgive me Lord forgive me Things I don't understand Sometimes I need to be alone Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe 
I can feel your energy from two planets away. I got my drink, I got my music, I will share it. But today I'm feeling, bitch, don't kill my vibe. 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 Look inside of my soul and you can find gold and maybe get rich. Look inside of your soul and you can find out it never exists. I can feel the changes. I can feel a new life. I always knew life can be dangerous. I can say that I like a challenge and you to me is painless. You don't know what pain is. How can I paint this picture when the colorblind is hanging with you? Fell on my face and I woke with a scar. Another mistake living deep in my heart. Wear it on top of my sleeve in a flick. I can admit that it did look like yours. Why you resent every making of his? Tell me your purpose is petty again. But even a small light, I can burn a bridge. Even a small light, I can burn a bridge. I can feel the changes. I can feel the new people around me just want to be famous. You can see that my city found me, then put me on stages. To me, that's amazing. To you, that's a quick check with all disrespect. Let me say this, say this, say this. I am a sinner who's probably gonna sin again. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. I can feel your energy from two planets away. I got my drink, I got my music, I will share it. But today, bitch, don't kill my vibe. 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 I'm trying to keep it alive and I compromise the feeling we love. You're trying to keep it deprived and only co-sign what radio does. And I'm looking right past you. We live in a world, we live in a world on two different axles. You live in a world, you're living behind the mirror. I know what you're scared of, the feeling, the feeling, emotions inferior. This shit is vital, I know you had to. This shit is vital, I know you had to. Die in a pitiful vein, tell me you're watching a chain. It's way more believable, give me a feasible gain. Rather her seasonal name, I'll let the people know this is something you can blame. On yourself, you can remain stuck in a box. I'ma break out and then hide every lock. I'ma break out and then hide every lock. I can feel the changes. I can feel the new people around me just wanna be famous. You can see that my city found me, then put me on stages. To me, that's amazing. To you, that's a quick check with all disrespect. Let me say this, say this, say this. I am a sinner who's probably gonna sin again. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Things I don't understand. Sometimes I need to be alone. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. Bitch, don't kill my vibe. I can feel your energy from two planets away. I got my drink, I got my music, I will share it. But today I'm feeling, bitch, don't kill my vibe. 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 You ain't heard the coast like this in a long time. Don't you see that long time? And they waiting on Kendrick like the first and the fifth. Threes in the air, I can see you are in sync Hide your feelings, hide your feelings now What you better do, I'll take your girlfriend And put that pussy on the pedestal Bitch don't kill my vibe, bitch don't kill my vibe Walk out the door and they scream it's alive My New Year's resolution is to stop all the pollution Talk too motherfucking much, I got my drink, I got my music I say bitch don't kill my vibe, bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my vibe Bitch don't kill my
Nigga, come on, we finna roll out. Nigga, I got a pack of blacks and a B C D. Get your freestyles ready.